We are back with these effing teenagers. I am Ryan Shealy. With me, as always, is Matt Rather. Hello, and Ryan. And the Panthers win. Yeah. <laughs> Spoiler alert. <laughs> Wait, I, I noticed you're a little coy. You're a little demure uh, when you say these effing teenagers. What's that about? What's that? What's that about? Yeah. Um, I mean, well, we we did rebrand, right? I mean, I'm just staying with the the, the brand identity. Well, we're the t- uh, yeah, we're TFT podcast, yeah, but it's uh, still these fucking teenagers. These fist fucking teenagers. <laughs> <laughs> we have we have uh, we still have the explicit tag on every episode on the iTunes store. Well, I think that you know, I think part of it um, is is that um, you know, I, I, I'm sure. Um, I don't know when I internalized this. I, I, at least part of it might might have to be the fact that my um, that I you know I don't know how much I started editing myself when I became aware that my students and possibly my colleagues um, uh, listen to this uh, this podcast. But I was reminded um, just this week that. Um, that at least some that they have not forgotten about this podcast. I don't know how many do um, uh, because there was a um, a, a, a graduation uh, roast, actually much like very similar in some ways <laughs> to the the, uh, the the roast in the uh, the penultimate uh, uh, episode of, Fri- of season one of Friday Night Lights, um, in which there is a public ritual of both um, you know openly kind of mocking the authority figures by and and in doing so kind of reinforcing the the their their power right the the um graduating um uh graduating students in the degree program i teach in um do present a gift a joke gift to every faculty member that teaches uh in the program um and and they're they're you know there's they're usually playing on some aspect of each faculty member's um you know idiosyncratic um personality and and so, um, and and this is these these gifts are presented in front of there as part of a, a more general presentation in which there's also the actual academic awards are given to the graduating students. So it takes place in front of you know the entire faculty that teaches in the program, um, and uh, and their their family and friends who are are, are gathered. Um, and so the gift given to me um, at this uh, at this roast uh, was um, a copy of uh, one of the Gossip Girl novels. Ah. Uh, um, and uh, uh, particularly, uh, you know, you love me, um, and it's very interesting. Uh, uh, I actually last night I have not yet started to read uh, the Gospel Girl uh, novel, uh, but uh, Cognac was reading and was going th- as she went through was pointing out um, all of the things that were different, um, and there are many, many, many differences. Um, most notably, I think that in fact the Humphreys uh, live on the west side. Right, as opposed- right. That's I, I think we talked about that dance. Father is a poetry editor who right, lives right. in like the West Nineties or something. Right, 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 right. And there's this like, I mean, the thing that really, um, that that um, really, really got on Cognac's nerves was that there's a conversation between Dan and Serena, which Dan says something about the the boat basin cafe, which is uh, on on Riverside Park uh, on in the seventies. 
And Serena's like, the boat basin, what is this? Can you take me there? And it's like, (laughs) I mean, it's an interesting, it, 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 it suspends um, – I mean it's very tough to, to kind of imagine a case in which um, you know, the Upper East Side is, is so unaware of anything outside of these few blocks. But again, I mean, it's, it, I mean it shows how much the kind of reconfiguring um, of the cremaster field uh-huh. is really um, a part of the vision of Gossip Girl the TV show as opposed to Gossip, Gossip Girl the book. Uh-huh. Um, and that, I mean again, I haven't read the later books in the series, but I would guess it's a little more static and a little more cartoonish whereas um the 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 tv show has been allowed to be much more of a kind of a living breathing thing um yeah so um but anyhow uh yeah i don't don't know if that's why i i um i i pull i pull the punch i mean it's also i mean you know the as 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 we um you know ask the continual question of is our teenagers uh uh fucking effing yeah, is they is they effing? Um, you know, it's 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 not really it's not really about the fucking. Uh huh. Sure. Yeah. It's it's uh, what? Well, I mean, it's about the 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 multitude of things. I mean, the ti- the title has another meaning, right? Of course, which these is not just fucking teenagers. Yeah, these fucking teenagers, right? It's these fucking teenagers, and also these fucking teenagers, which is more like fucking. You know what I mean? With a dropped G, it's both these fucking with a very hard mm sound uh, teenagers, and then uh, well, that's why and effing and effing kind of uh, emphasizes that. That meaning, right? Um... Yeah, I guess, I guess, I guess you never really hear anyone say like that with you know meaning coitus, right? Like, oh, f me, f me so hard. You know, you f me so good, <laughs> baby. <laughs> speak, speak for yourself. Uh, <laughs> um, P and V. Uh, <laughs> um, yeah, but I think that I, I think the and then, and then the third reason I think that uh, <laughs> that I said effing is that uh, this week effing uh, F stands for footballing. Uh, right. We're we're it's closing true. out season one of Friday Night Lights as as we've uh, as we've indicated, um, and you know I think that well the, in the last episode that we. Uh, discuss uh uh friday night lights you know the the cognitive agenda was about um teenagers teenagers fucking and they and they chose not to um and so i I think that for right now will the teenagers largely are are effing um and some of them are are fucking as well yeah that's actually that's a very good distinction actually like certain teenagers are fucking and certain teenagers are effing like you Mm -hmm. can say like in jenny humphreys for example in little jay she is an effing she is an yeah well i guess at one point she starts as effing and then becomes fucking right right? exactly yeah exactly right like and you can trace a uh, a trajectory from effing to fucking. I mean, it's uh, it's it's funny. Is it like a kind of threshold condition that what like once you you cross once once you start fucking, you can never be effing again? Yeah, you know, is that the case, mm-hmm. or can you recover some of that those early those early qualities of effing uh, once you start fucking, and it becomes more of a kind of back and forth, more of a sort of bimodal, uh, you know, kind of toggle on and off sort of switch that's, that's, i mean that's a very interesting question is that you know so is there this is, is it this kind of linear and and teleological um right kind of movement i mean i think that an interesting case here is is um is tim riggins right so that um when when tim riggins 
uh, I think the either the first time he makes a pass at the hot mom or this the time where it actually happens, she says to him, "You're you're just the kid." Mm-hmm. Um, and and obviously you know in in, in other words you, you're saying you're just an effing kid um but like i i think that in that case she's trying to convince herself of that as well i mean that you know in terms of like the actual performative like aspect of the of the um uh, of of the event you know in every way that he has acted most of the ways that she has seen him behave and he has acted in this relationship is as as a man as as a person who is um who is 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 fucking right. i mean you know this is interesting um i don't know if we've talked about this on this show but um yeah exactly like the bully the bully's pushing pushing the little kid around they they're right. effing but tim riggins comes and he you know he brings his whole fucking game into their effing circle you right, know what right. i mean and well, and, yeah, yeah, no, exactly. Yeah, yeah. He brings <laughs> in the kind of in the kind of home. He, he brings he brings he brings a, a fuck stick to an F fight. <laughs> you know, right, yeah, exactly. In the in the, I mean, how how bad can we make this? Right, like in the kind of homosocial game of Okie Cookie that is group bullying. You know, sure. he washes them all four of those bullies away with a torrent of yeah, 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 <laughs> yeah. In, in a shout out to. Uh, 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 to Roderick on the line, it's it's like it's the uh, the Sherwin Williams uh, cover cover the world logo. Right. Um, yeah, well, you know, just to think about this this distinction between the effing and the uh, the fucking. I mean, this actually relates to um, some of my own uh, work in Sierra Leone, uh, which is a project um, on on child protection, and really is thinking about um, various aspects of like risks and and child well being in this context. And one that one thing that um, um, that that adults often speak of um, is children uh, as a, as a risk is children being involved in mommy and daddy business and in in um, in in Sierra Leone Creole mommy and daddy business actually refers to having sex um, and that 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 mommy and daddy business is that you know that 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 they are one and again uh, one in the same right so that being a a fucking teenager. Um, in in that context, you know, means uh, a, a a shift in status that you and and so it, I think it's exactly the case that at least in that context, once you become a um a a fucking teenager, you're 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 not you don't go back to effing um uh, at least in in an easy way even if you or I mean I think it's an it's a really interesting question is that you know when does a a kid stop being just a kid um and 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 what kind of what is the causal relationship between um, those kind of changes in in status and, and responsibility um, and um, and judgment and 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 fucking right and does fu- what what does fucking cause and what is caused by by um, and what, what, what and what kind of leads to to that status? Uh-huh. Um, yeah, so I think that. Um, I think in this, in it, reminds, this I mean, it reminds me of the old joke, right? Uh, which is why why are um, why are Baptists uh, against sex? Why? Because it might lead to dancing. <laughs> <laughs> right. That it, that is to say, it's about the. Oh God, I'm not going to explain the joke. Or no, no, please, please do un, un, unpack it. Go ahead. <laughs> yeah, the best jokes are the ones uh, are the ones that that. That you have to explain. No, I mean, I think that I think the thing that's interesting here is that we talk about we talk about the the 
um, the liminality of like the the adolescence and of kind of teenager, not just physical adolescence, but of the socially constructed category of teenagehood and. you know, as being a time of like some qualities as a, as a sort of extended transition. Um, but more than, more than just a transition, right? Like, uh, physical adolescence is a transition from childhood to, to adulthood biologically. But, um, this teenage, uh, time is kind of this other thing. And it's, it's sort of a time when like, we agree that this doesn't count. You know what I mean? That that this stuff is not, you know, you are not sort of academic, yeah, academic, economic actors kind of making making plays for keeps, you know, in the quote unquote real world. That is, to, you know, there's time for kind of relational experimentation, like economic experimentation in terms of like different jobs and you know d- different kinds of things like this, uh, without necessarily settling on a on a career. You know, you can do a lot of extracurriculars without like necessarily necessarily worrying which one is going to get you into law school right and um you know and and sexual experimentation as well that is to say you get to kind of play you get to play at uh different aspects of you know of mommy and daddy uh, business, uh, you right. know, if you if you choose to, and while there are, I mean, while there are certain things that are sort of bright line. Um, uh, totally wrong, like sort of uh, Tyra's assault, you know, in the the rainy parking lot, which right. was, uh, uh, you know, which is one of the more unpleasant for television. That is an extremely unpleasant, but for network television, extremely unpleasant screen rape, right? Like, uh, you know, not 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 an easy thing to watch, um, right? Like that's that's clearly way kind of way over the the bright line um but then there are there are sort of more liminal cases of of sort of adult uh, uh you know what i mean of kind of the fucking kind of intruding on this time of of teenagehood of this kind of f fuck slash f time uh with, like with um with tim riggins and the milf next door for example, right. right. Well, and I think that the, yeah, and that's very um, that's a, that's an interesting case because he's like very happy to. I mean, it's, it's just this interesting case where he is certainly well versed in playing the um, the role of a um, you know of of being of of daddy business, right? That yeah. In some ways, like you know, if. Um, well, daddy, the, I mean, daddy business and sort of absent daddy business is is like is his whole is his whole game, right? Right, exactly. And one is, I think that he's had to kind of play, you know, in some ways. I mean, again, this is why I was kind of talking about these like these cycles of causality, and um, you know, you can imagine that because there were like the the you know. If um, there are other kinds of mommy and daddy business that are not just the one uh, sex having mommy and daddy business, but it's the other things that parents do in terms of, of child rearing, you know, in the 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 case of the Rigginses, they largely did that themselves, and I think that you know you're led to believe that you know Billy Riggins is not really doing a lot of that. So it was it was generally self provided, right? Sure. Tim Riggins fixes his, uh, is, you know, fixes his truck, um, does. 
you know, as much as any chores or things happen at the house, he does them. You know, and and the first thing he um, you know does for the milk store is um, you know fix the uh, the the gutter, mm-hmm. and and the and and this actually is you know results in her knocking on the door and being like, I don't want you to do, I don't need your help. Um, I'm a single mom, I'm getting by just fine. But can you pick up my son up? Well, right, yeah, <laughs> oh, oh, this one time, and she wants she wants to pay him. That is to right. that is to say, like a cu- a, a couple of things are going on there and this is i mean this is the strength of friday night lights right here right which is that these things are sort of over determined or sort of like overloaded with meaning and kind of conflicting imperatives things don't just happen because of one one reason they happen for a whole uh a whole mess of reasons and right like she's so she's got a hang up about like being an independent lady and like uh not you know uh not needing a man since her bastard ex-husband whatever whatever right to her and like so you know i don't i don't need a man to fix my um uh to fix my house for me i can sort of do the house provision function right, in the family right, myself right, the right. other thing is and i don't know if it's i mean i don't know if it's sort of sexual yet in the way that it it has to be it's it's like uh i'm i'm comfortable having a certain kind of relationship with like a neighborhood teenager you know what i mean like i can pay you to mow my lawn but you right. can't mow my lawn as a favor that is to say it's got to be an economic relationship um because uh, you're right. Because uh, otherwise, they're like, because it, it it's a desire to keep this, to, to keep these like leagues separate, right? That to say that like, um, you know, you are you're playing in the peewee leagues where where things don't count, right? And that once you start doing like, once you are a favor giving person, that means you are an adult, right? And there's and that opens the whole range of of uh, transactions that are. Um, that are that are possible, right? That that is like that we are it, like once you kind of do this like as a nice thing, um, it's a that means that we are like the same kinds of agents that can exchange. You know, we're 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 using the same currency, um, and then B that like the the you know those currencies can be you know are it, it's it's a social it's a social transaction, and that you know favor giving. And then, kind of, you know, um, um, you know, sexual relationships are part of this same kind of continuum of various kinds of so, uh, of social um, transactions. Exchange. Yeah, exchange, and social exchange. Yeah, um, and so, and and you know, the the reality is, and I think that this is one thing that we see, you know, not just with Tim Reggins, but also, you know, throughout um, the the world of Dylan Texas, is that in some ways. <sighs> You know, and 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 this is something that um, you, we also see quite a bit, um, especially in season four of The Wire, is that you know the, it shows how this kind of teenagerhood as a time to experiment, um, and and when it, things don't count as much, is a very much a construction of certain kind of socioeconomic um, conditions, um, and that um, and and you know we've t- we've talked a lot about how you know, even teenagerhood itself is a construct of certain points, uh, you know, certain aspects of industrial capitalism, but then we so we see like in Dillon, Texas, and also in 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 Baltimore that there are certain times in which that um, 
you know that that freedom is is taken away when there are absent parents. Um, and you know, we see this in Skins as well, actually. Um, that in this case of various kinds of parental absenteeism, and in you know in Friday Night Lights, it, the Julie Taylor um, stands out at least you know uh, uh, up to this um, you know uh, uh, until the events of uh, season one where this is is kind of called into question. Julie Taylor is unique as as the one teenager. Um, uh, who 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 really has the freedom to be able to kind of experiment uh, in ways because uh, she does not have to worry about kind of providing for her family or raising herself, and so she is really the the one who's most free to be an effing teenager. Um, you know, she's not taking care of her her grandmother um, or like her stripper sister and um, and and mother who is a mess uh, in as in Tyra's case, right? So um, that you know, Julie is really the 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 effing teenager um, here and and everyone else has these various versions of having to had some degree of the other portfolio of mommy and daddy business um, and then that becomes supplemented at some point in time with the 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 fucking kind of mommy and daddy business uh-huh um, yeah which yeah well, the, the other exception I can think of is Lila right um, uh, right. Who, who comes from a who comes from a stable home? Though I mean, like one of the things that's that's revealed in this um, uh, stretch of episodes uh, that is eighteen through twenty twenty two that we're talking about today. Well, that we're sort of that are our main focus for today is that Buddy's infidelities are in fact as you as you might expect a long string of infidelities, mm-hmm. and mm-hmm. he you know um, and though she knew about the one uh, the one dalliance with uh, Tyra's mom, she didn't know that this was, that this was kind of a, a, a pattern of, right. of behavior with him. So, so that, that she's sort of built uh, is sort of built on uh, on a lie. And like, but I think what happens to her, I mean, her trajectory, um, her like extreme little J trajectory is uh, it has to do with um, or being totally, totally being thrust into mommy and daddy business with with without this kind of time of preparation for it. You know what I mean? Like, actually, think think about mommy and daddy business in the, in, in this context. Think of of uh, Eric and Tammy Taylor giving Julie kind of dancing lessons before uh-huh. the father daughter uh-huh. dance. Uh-huh. And when Tammy says to Julie, "Oh, uh, you know, the man thinks he's leading, but in fact, you have to lead, and you just lead him with your hips." Yep. You know, yep. That that Message. Is, right. Yeah, exactly. That 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 that's a um that's a kind of indoctrination. I mean, not a and the sexual overtones in that aren't subtle. But you know, if you think of it as a type of indoctrination, it's a more subtle one than you know boning Matt Saracen, right? Um, the. Uh, indoctrination into mommy and daddy business and the the like the father daughter dance is a very interesting like uh, and th- there's something there's something about the the sexual double standard going on um uh something about the sexual double standard going on here digression when i was when i was a kid i participated in like ymca uh father uh, uh, parent uh, parent child camp 
right? And so there, there were, and it was like, one what parent, is what is that? <laughs> well, yeah. So it's like you know, it's it's like you go to to uh, Lake Arrowhead up in the mountains, and you like you know, I don't know, do a thing where you like build fires and canoe in the lake for a long right. weekend over the summer or something like that. And you're like your group, your like local group in your neighborhood, right? Meets once a week. It's 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 like Boy Scouts, but run by the run by the YMCA, right. and it's all Indian themed, Native American, but it's called Indian uh, stuff. And so um, the the configuration of this I was in. I mean, there's father son, father daughter, mother son, mother daughter, right? Mm-hmm. And so the um, the they have different names, right? So the one I was in, the father son configuration is called Indian Guides. Right. Mm. Uh, the um, the mother son configuration, at least at the time that I was doing it, is called Indian Braves. <laughs> the father, uh, the mother daughter configuration was called Indian Maidens, huh. and the father daughter configuration was called Indian Princesses. Wow. Right. And I, I thought it was so and, and like at the time my mind was blown by this because therefore or maybe it was a couple years later when I aged out of it and, and kind of looked back on it. But yeah, as a as a child or as a fucking teen effing teenager myself, um the uh I was so taken by the idea that there are these four different kinds of idealization that belong Mm -hmm. to each, you know, kind of potential dyad, uh, uh, gender, you know, gender specific dyad in a parent child uh, relationship. And that these these idealizations were being mobilized uh, in service of like YMCA summer camp. But the right. Right. So, okay, so the father daughter dance is this extremely chaste ritual and it kind of called to mind. Um, the trend towards like promise rings and purity balls. Sure, um, sure. That it kind of it, it belongs. It's not identical with that, but it belongs on a continuum with with those things. You know, uh, lead the man with your hips aside. Um, the the mother son dance is what Tim Riggins is doing with the MILF next door. Oh, right. It's, it's, uh, it's mother boy XXX, right? Um, uh, yeah, exactly. I mean, and, and, uh, yeah, the, yeah, exactly. And, and there's a scene, you know, after, I think after the first time they, they bone, um, there's a scene where Tim Riggins is kind of shirtless, um, in bed and she is, you know, gazing, gazing upon him, um, with, with, with her lady gaze. Um, and, (laughs) and, and it is, I mean, if the genders were reversed, it would be so creepy. Right. Right. Um, and And this is, and and so this is what I'm saying. I think this is part of the gender double standard or the sex double standard. Right. 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 Well, and, and just as just a kind of keep bringing the changes on this like you know at the same time i mean obviously this is, is played for laughs um throughout arrested development but the arrested development um mother son dance um is also you know presented as being very creepy and weird uh at the same time right and they push that i mean they push that extremely far you right. know like right. the, in in the context of the show the father daughter dance there's nothing weird about it except that you know tyra and her mom her mom show up and that i mean that really is about kind of a a woman's provision of of sort of fathering you know what i mean of a sort of right. ma- of, a, of a kind of masculine uh, of a, uh, a it's a woman doing daddy business you know what right I mean? right right and it's both like doing that and also tr- you know kind of smashing it a little bit at the same time right that is kind of it's really kind of um it's a a little bit of a 
you know what what trying to engage trying to i think you know i would argue maybe engage in a in a kind of a a creative misreading of of the ritual of father daughter dance is say okay there's these structural relationships and there is daddy business um and you know that and da- yeah daddy business like, still has to get done even even if there's yeah, no daddy in the house right you know? but like but presuming that it has to be done in a specific way you know is it actually just really reinforce like you know reinforces certain types of class dynamics right this is the you know we're not like these people we can't go to college we can't you know blah 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 and and so the kind of the resolution there is you know that is, is you know in some ways what what kind of happens after the confrontation um is that Tyra's mom is kind of saying like we're going to we're going to do this on our own terms right and so that we're not going to ever be the tailors um but we're going to provide the things that you need as as a person um and and this and so kind of engaging in the um you know uh you know it, it puts them we talk about the the kind of various classes of people that you have in the world of Dillon, Texas, right? Of you know, we've talked a lot about the class of sex having people. Right. Um and so that, you know, they this is like symbolically putting Tyra into the class of of daddy having people. Right. Um and 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 that and then she's that trying to, she's trying to, to accomplish reco- something. Right. Yeah, sort of uh, trying to recover a little effing from all the yeah. fucking that she's been Right, before, right. Before, and right. you know, spoiler alert Tyra goes to college. Uh, <laughs> um, and, and I say this kind of flippantly, but like this is like a big thing throughout this. Um, sure. And um, actually, I mean, this was something that I that I actually really wanted to talk about. It wasn't on on your agenda so much, but maybe I can just uh, take a left turn for two minutes in into this topic. With I know we are following this agenda really, <laughs> really, and really. No, uh, I I, I, th- I think actually where we've gotten just just from my my attempt to poke fun at you a little bit, but for saying these effing teenagers um i I think this is really uh this is a really interesting conversation so like we've talked a lot about limits limits on agency right and one of the one of the limits on agency is uh individual psychology right the limitations of um both of kind of the the more biological uh forms of of psychology that we kind of see uh, with bipolar disorder in in this stretch of episodes, huh, uh-huh. with I forget Smash's girlfriend's name. It's not on the tip of my tongue. Um, but. it's um, yeah, uh, but her right and her her struggling with a with a mental illness that is treated like a medical problem. But then there's right. also there's another sort of sickness of the head, which is the kind of undermining or belittling that gets internalized by Tyra's mom, and that like Tyra, you know, um. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. That that the mom passes on to Tyra, like you're not like those people, you know. We or, or we're not going to accept charity uh, from from those people uh, because you're not like them. That is to say, we don't exchange the same the same kinds of currency, and it's not right. because we're not uh, both adults. We are both adults, but they're you know it's a class thing, right? Like they're of a different right. of a different class, though. Uh, right, though. In in point of fact, I mean, uh, well, not in point of fact. What does in point of fact mean? But um, what well, you know, analyzed without uh, that, you know, why why not? Why can't um, uh, the Taylors do a favor for Tyra and her family, or why can't Tammy Taylor take an interest in Tyra as part of her job? You know what I mean? So right. This, this sort of this sort of belittling, and you can talk, I guess, about uh, to a certain extent about individual psychology being an expression. 
of the social order within the individual. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm, mm-hmm, sort of Freud, mm-hmm. Freud wrote about this, that like the, the voice of the parents or the voice of the society gets, gets um, internalized sure. in your own psyche as the superego, super ego telling you, you can't, you know, kill people or you can't like eat as much chocolate as you want. You know what I mean? So, right. um, uh, but still, it, it is, it's, it's something unlike what we've talked about before in that it lives inside the individual and kind of operates there and has its own set of logics and dynamics um, specific to, to it. That's it. That's, the, that's all the digression I wanted to make. No, no. I think that, I mean, it's, it's, it's very kind of um, on, on topic. And, and I think that, I mean, it's, it's, a, it's, a, it's a necessary piece of where we, it's, it's kind of a necessary like micro foundation to a lot of what we talk about, right? That these, you know, for these structures, you know, when we talk about structures, for them to work, you, they, you know, there needs to be something that's kind of, um, driving behavior um in uh, you know at at the level of any given like interaction and it's not you know just the kind of coercive power of these um structures and it's not just you know sort of social pressure of like actually people like seeing and shaming you um but there is a, a huge piece of um you know what is um uh, you know that is, is internalization, and um, actually, I think you know I think what we may have talked about this on one podcast uh, that Cognac and I did, um, and it actually was lost. There was a a problem with the recording, mm. um, and and we actually talked about this a little bit um, uh, with re- re- uh, reference to um, some of the the work of uh, political scientist Eleanor Ostrom that we've talked about a bunch throughout this um, the series, who, who uh, attempts to kind of incorporate this idea of of internalized um, norms and values into um, into the framework of that's this more used to just, uh, to analyze more material incentives and, and really thinks about that you know individual motivation in response to a given um, you know institution is a combination of the actual material sanctions and what she calls these delta parameters that you can think about these various kinds of um, you know internalized um, uh, social norms that ultimately when you make them work are going to have a psychological basis right uh-huh. it's going to and so that that ultimately there's going to be um, at least in studying this um, you know the, it's going to be the interface between um, social psychology and you know political science and it's it's kind of the you know the the institutional corollary of um, you know the type of behavioral economics uh, research that we discussed um, a lot especially when we were discussing um, back in back in the days when we were discussing glee. Right, so it's not just an individual. These kinds of various kinds of inconsistencies or, um, you know, behaviors are not just driven by the natures of um, individual of of just like how we process information, but that this is then the way that information is processed and filtered um, is also socially constructed, right? And that that these that that, that, that there's ultimately, um, you know, in some ways, one of these kinds of there as you as you were were noting um that there's this interface between kind of a social group and and then individual identity yeah. that is really the conduit for um um 
for thinking about um, how these types of social roles are internalized. Yeah. Um, but then there's a lot of, I mean, there's you know just tons of um, you know experimental um, social psych research about how how this works and um, the extent to which it is really um, you know how 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 it's binding and uh, and and in what ways. Um, so that's I think yeah. So I think that's um, totally totally right on sure um, from the from the point of view of literary studies i mean some some work has been done in a in a school of criticism called reader response criticism which talks mm. about sort of interpretive communities right right and that is to say our agreement to read certain texts or even to consider certain kinds of things uh as texts are sort of inc- interpretive contracts with with one another are are the things that sort of bind communities um together and like the you know that that uh the um like one of the big proponents of this was you know a literary studies own bad boy stanley fish uh who who did a lot of work on this i think we've talked about this before oh, have uh, we? a little bit yeah, yeah 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 but no but i think it's i think it's definitely relevant i think the the question is is like how much these can you know the the you know, I think the the real question, you know, again, again back to this structure agency debate that kind of is run throughout um, TFT, it, you know, that what some of what we see with uh, you know the introduction of Tyra's mom and this arc centering on on Tyra's mom is this kind of question of um, it, you know is it seems to advance that even though you have these kinds of interpretive communities and you can think of you know especially if you think there there's some work um in anthropology that kind of thinks about culture as a text and the, and these various kind of goals uh, roles of interpretation um that you know that that some of what Tyra's mom does throughout the time both in the 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 um father or daughter dance but also even this the act that kind of concluded the last arc and started this arc which is coming to um, coming to church um, and and cussing out Buddy Garrity, right? And she, you know, it's, it's an awesome scene because you know she comes there and and you know that that she is not you know in addition to the you know the kind of daddy having people are also kind of correlate very much with the the church going people uh-huh. um uh, and and right like uh, you know uh, they have they have their uh <laughs> they do it in secret and their heavenly father who sees what is in secret will, yeah. will yeah. reward them you know yeah 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 and and so it's just really cool to see you know that um you know that 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 tyra's mom comes in and just um breaks that up and without even saying you know i I, and you look at the close reading here you know she doesn't directly say you know and she doesn't announce to everyone like i want to tell you all that um i've been having an affair with buddy garrity right it's that the way in which she is attacking him everyone immediately kind of understands what this means um and 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 i think that that's it's fascinating because and then later on you you um by the the last episode by state you kind of have 
right? Um, I mean, it, it kind of shows the malleability and also the kind of smallness of this community. Of right, you have kind of um, this interesting recap of season one of Friday Night Lights, all in Landry's car, right? That you have um, Tyra's mom uh, and sister, um, and then uh, Matt Matt Saracen's grandmother and um, and and Lila Garrity, all in Landry's car, all riding together to state. Um, and I think there's some other really interesting things there of like, you know, Landry wanted, um, you know, some, some lady time. Um, and, and he, you know, that did not mean what he thinks it means, you know? <laughs> and, 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 you know, that, uh, and, and, you know, Tyra's mom talking about, uh, you know, having her period and the women talking about like asking who farted, um, right. and, and all these things, which is like, you know, not, not how he envisioned, um, it, it, uh, it playing out. Um, well, but he, he got but I guess the time. point is that, that you know that the, these social groupings within uh, um, in Dillon, Texas are are somewhat malleable and they're all very interconnected, right? It's, and we've talked a lot about these kind of different definitions of community and the fact that you have these you know dense, ongoing, multifaceted relationships that characterize the community means. You know, it means a lot of different things, you know, and we've talked about the work of, you know, this is articulated in the work of Singleton and Taylor, who kind of articulate community this way and say that it has effect on, you know, collective action and kind of governance, but it also potentially has roles for kind of social change and, and fluidity in that, you know, people can kind of check in, you know, wordlessly and and new truths can kind of come into being very, very quickly. So that, that the the lot the, the, the um, you know, the lava lamp of this specific society, you know, it's one where the light is burning pretty bright and is actually moving pretty quickly. Um, and then that um, at a given time, you know, people are become pretty aware of what the shape is and that becomes real as opposed to the, um, the Gossip Girl lava lamp, which is moving a lot more slowly. And you have these things that, that jettison off new blobs, but it's still compared to Friday Night Lights, I would argue, a little more slow moving. If that makes sense, huh? Uh, yeah, there's a lot there. We can we can cir- <laughs> we can circle back. It's it's more sl- slow moving. the 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 pace of it is more slow moving. The, the pace, right? Sorry. So to go back to last week's episode, the lava lamp of society. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah um, you know that the the, the 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 temperature right of yes. the, of the lava lamp. You know, controlling the oil and uh, water mixture. Uh, right. The, the reactions or the forming and unforming happen um, uh, more quickly. Right, exactly. So that you know, part of what the the lava lamp me- metaphor was doing was kind of a way of kind of visualizing these, the nature of kind of shifting social cleavages. Um, and 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 we talked about how that has happened in the world of of Gossip Girl. And I think that in the world of Friday Night Lights, um, one hypothesis that I have is that you have um a bit more, you know, in in particular because of. I'd say the size of the community and the nature of like inequality and kind of in the community or, and, and that there's a kind of, you know, even though there is inequality in Friday night lights, you know, all of these people are more like one another than not right there. They are all the 99%. Um, you know, there's, there's no one percenters, um, 
in in the Dillon Texas world, and they're all kind of subject to a certain amount of vulnerability. Um, and I think you see this more and more as the um, uh, as the series goes on, um, and and so that that I think allows for a, a situation where the kind of salient. Uh, cleavages shift more rapidly, right? So, like, as you say, the the temperature of the lava lamp um, is is a bit um, is a, is a bit higher, and so and I think that that again, you know, this is just important because you know at the you know we we again we're talking about um, you know the class divide between. Um, the the uh Taylors um and and Tyra's family yeah. um at various points like this this starts to disappear and this becomes a less salient line of cleavage even by the um end of this um uh, of of this season and then at various times um you know you definitely actually um see um Tyra's sister and again um, spoilers for Friday Night Lights. Tyra's sister ends up um, marrying Billy Riggins, um, and they have kids together, and they they become church going people, right? Um, and they are they are become part of this society. And uh, and I, I forget exactly what comes of Tyra's mom, but you know that that you see this kind of swirl around and and reconfigure. She marries Rufus Humphrey, and uh, you know moves to a penthouse on the Upper East Side. Yeah, yeah. Oh, this is just one other piece of of kind of daddy business, right? That um, Coach Taylor's chili is 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 uh, the complete analog of Rufus's waffles. Right. Um and it, it's is the one thing that the father cooks, right? It's and 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 you know even in um my household growing up, uh it was also chili actually. Um and for my uh grandfather, my my mom's dad, it was um Lancaster County chicken pot pie. Um which is which uh, which there is no crust. Let me just make very very clear. If you take nothing else away from this episode, chicken pot pie in Lancaster County, there is no um, there, there is no crust, right? And in some ways, I think why you call it a chicken pot pie is imagine if you were making a a pie, uh, a chicken pie, um, and and you fucked it up, and you're like, all right, let's just throw it all in in the pot. Um, the crust and all, and you just, uh-huh. just cut crust up into a bunch of squares, and we throw that in with the chicken uh, into the pot. That is chicken pot pie. Um, it is a a a pot pie. <laughs> <laughs> Anyhow, <laughs> that was that was the daddy business in in uh, the the household in my uh, um, in my mother's household. But so I think that I, I you know that yeah that's the um, the Rufus Humphrey ends up marrying uh, Tyra's mom, and they and there's a some really awesome uh, chili waffles that right. are made. Yeah, uh, and indie rock also a lot of um, a lot of indie rock that gets made. Uh, Which, we we can circle back because you start getting you don't have as much of it um, in season one, but as um, as as uh, Friday Night Lights goes on, there's more and more of the of the indie of the indie rock creeps its way in. Yeah, well, the, I was actually I was thinking about that in in terms of the last the last song, uh, uh, not the last song. Uh, it's not the last thing. The last thing is the the Matt Saracen starts a slow clap for Coach Taylor, and they cut out on his face, kind of right. But it's the the victory parade music, right? Yeah, the victory parade music, yeah, which is a couple scenes before um, Devil Town, right? I, I don't know if that's right. the title of the song. Yeah, you yeah, yeah. I think the, the song is called the Devil Town. Right. Yeah, mm-hmm. yeah. yeah. Um, and it it struck me as a very odd. It struck me as a very odd, odd choice for the milieu of the show. The, the, the show's soundtrack, uh, I think, deserves a little, um, 
uh, deserves a little attention because there's there's um, there's this constant like bed of music going on underneath. Mm-hmm. This is actually something in a show that that shares a lot of visual gestures with the wire. Um, uh-huh. That is to say, the the like the slightly out of focus, the like finding the sort of docu- the gestures toward a of, toward a, a verite style, right? Like uh, finding focus, uh, kind of pushing in and out of focus. The camera kind of uh, swish panning back and forth instead of cutting back and forth in a more measured way um or in a more like pre-planned way uh as though as though the cameraman were just trying to like notice what was happening um and and, you know quick quick change your attention to that um the camera not leading the uh leading the gaze but actually kind of like following where the gaze would want to go um and then also uh uh, a couple, a couple other things, which are, which I mean, are a gesture at like we're we're displaying reality, but that actually end up having an alienating effect because they foreground the presence and the use of the camera. That is to say, it's not transparent. Its functioning is very apparent uh, in these sort of uh, you know kind of messy gestures. Um, in the, given that verite style, uh, which it shares in common with the wire, the um, the presence of this kind of constant non-diegetic music bed, you know, yeah, uh, especially under like decision scenes or like the kind of tension, tension building or or sort of, um, you know, characters in a bind or sort of facing up to the kind of impossible circumstances that they're they're right. put in. And, I, you know, I think it's it. I don't know. It's not my favorite. It's not my favorite part of the show because the music is being used either just to fill space, in which case I'd say, hey, let there be space, um, or else, uh, or else um, the music is being used to kind of tell you how to feel or to tell you that this is capital E emotional, right? Yeah, it's funny, it's funny you say that because um, Cognac and I actually um, – uh, when because we, we we watched Friday Night Lights um, a while ago back in back in the fall um, and we did it in a pretty crazy crazy push I and mean, I think we watched like all of season one in like one hurricane hurricane Irene uh, day uh, of which we were like stuck <laughs> inside and just like watched like you know all twenty some episodes as like uh, in 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 one day and we during that stretch came up with uh w- with words to the theme song that goes something like it is so emotional it is so emotional I can't believe it they are playing football but they're learning a lot about life it's so emotional um yeah yeah it's it's only only rivaled by our uh words to the mad men theme song that goes mad men 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 they are men and they are mad they're mad men mad men yeah exactly yeah you get you get the idea um the yeah uh, <laughs> yeah, inappropriate lyrics to to uh, theme songs is um, is one of my favorites. You know, but I think that these are very appropriate lyrics. I mean, I think that I mean, I think it, 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 it totally points at like one of the. I think you're right that it, it has this in, inappropriate in the sense that like slightly disrespectful. You know, like <laughs> right because it, I think that they're actually very fitting. It, you know, if 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 that song could talk, it would definitely have like a whiny emo voice, right? So, um, so the thing about this kind of use of music, which let's call a kind of weak use of music in, mm. uh, in I would call it. I would also call it effing. I would call it effing. <laughs> No, no. I mean, you could call it weak, but I, I think you like right that it, it like it's what like puts Friday Night Lights on the 
you know, on the effing side and the wire on the fucking side. Right, sure. Like, um, I mean, I can, I can unpack that, but I, I think we're on the same page, yeah, right? I, no, I, th- I think you're right. Like, so... So the thing about it is that it's very sincere, you know what yes. I mean? Like there is no kind of ulteriority to the music. And so I was really surprised by Devil Town when they started playing it because um, uh, because it, it was a whole different kind of use of the soundtrack, right? Mm-hmm. That is to say it was the, the, the image and the, and the sound. Um, we're going in two completely different directions. Uh-huh, you know? uh-huh, uh-huh, uh-huh. Well, right, because it's like, this is, right, I mean... Because at their kind of moment of greatest triumph, and, like, this is the thing that we've been headed towards um, uh, all all year, right, all of one season of this show, which would be, like, a year's worth of normal watching time. So, like, at the moment of kind of the big payoff, um, you know, uh, what happens, it's not that, like, oh, devil coach... You know, Coach Taylor is an asshole. You know, it's not triumphal and emotional, you know, W.G. Snuffy Walden, who I think is the composer. Yes, uh, that's correct. That's correct. Uh, composer of, you know, all of the West Wing, but uh, a, also Sports Night. And Sports Night is the score that I think bears most um, resemblance to this in terms of, in terms of how it's used, uh, how the music is used. Um, it's not, uh, you know, it's not snuffy on the soundtrack. It's not like the coach where we're mad at the coach or angry or sad or disappointed or let down. It's devil town. You know what I mean? Right. The whole system is kind of being, uh, being taken to task for some reason. That's not, entirely clear you know uh, it's it's not totally clear what's wrong with the town at this point and unless you've been listening to our podcast you might be uh, quite taken aback you know what i mean by, well i by, think i mean I, I, but um i mean i think that's an interesting um i mean i don't know i mean in some ways there's a few right so you know it's it's so interesting right that um uh it's it's like inside of the town i mean another way of putting it right it's kind of the um it's like the groucho marx quote that um that john gaddis always used to start his his famous cold war class at yale um of the you know um outside of uh outside of a dog a book is a man's best friend uh inside of a dog is too dark to read right <laughs> um and that you know Inside the devil town, you don't know that you're in a devil town, right? These are the lyrics, right? I was living in a devil town, didn't know it was a devil town. Oh, Lord, it really brings me down about the devil town. Um, And all my friends were vampires. I didn't know they were vampires. Turns out I was a vampire myself in the devil town, right? And so it's that – and and I think that – you know the question is like who could be saying this right about um who would have this sense of perspective um and and because you know and i think that you you see it early on right so that you know you say like would you like you know after a year of watching this show would this come as a shock and i think it would in part because you throughout the season of watching it you go inside the dog right and 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 you huh. you know in 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 yeah, um, whereas whereas at the beginning tyra is sort of being critical of the football of the kind of football right. culture and things like that right. that that was part, that social critique was was incorporated into the show but 
you know, by this point, you've kind of you you will have bought into the thing. But right, like, but right. Well, and Julie Taylor is the other one that I was going to bring up here, yeah. right? That, that like, um, and I think that you know she very early on doesn't want to live here, right? And she she's even the one that says you know that that um you know that this town is stupid. All they want to do is, is football, and at the end, she doesn't want to leave this town, right? Um, and yeah. and because she she too is a vampire, um, right? And yeah, even though so she didn't ahead. even yeah even though she she sort of didn't didn't realize it. I mean, I think you're asking I think you're asking exactly the right question when you say whose voice is this? You know what I mean? Right. Whose voice is is I mean, within the show, whose voice is providing these these lyrics to kind of be a become a part of this text? And um you know, and yeah, and I I'm not I'm not totally sure uh except uh, I'm not I'm not totally sure. The the football has actually been painted I mean yeah sure it sucks if you're an outsider but like it's been painted as kind of ennobling for the people who do it right, right. like and in that I'm thinking of that like the halftime speech that coach Taylor gives the Panthers yeah. at yep. you know yep. like every you know uh, each of us is going to try and fail at some point in our lives um but a part of you yeah, but you you sort of remain true to yourself you know what I mean? Right. Like, well, and, this- I, and I think it's fascinating because it's this remaining true to yourself is still in the context, right? I mean, the other thing he says is that, like there are people out there who never – like in this kind of thing, there are people that you never stop believing in you, right? So that this kind of – the society and the self – I mean he keeps putting them in juxtaposition and, and that speech really brings it in, right? That um, that you know you have to be true to yourself but who who you are is still meaningful in the context of, of Dylan, Texas, right? Mm-hmm. Um, well, a lot of people – I mean, he, he that sort of cuts both ways, right? Like he says, a lot of people wrote us off, right? When right. A, after the accident, but you have to remember there are still other people who who believe in you. So that is to say, you kind of have a choice of who your public is. You know what I mean? That, uh, uh, or at least you, you right. still you still have an obligation. Even if you've been written off by some portion of of the so larger social group, you still have an obligation to the um, to the subgroup, however small, th- that still believes in you. You know what I mean? Right, and that right, ob- right. and that obligation is that you sort of you sort of remain true to to yourself, which I mean, I which I think is great, especially because it begs entirely the question of what true means and what self means. Right, right, in those, right, right, uh, right. Under those circumstances. Yeah, no, definitely. Um, I think that, and I think that what's interesting is, I mean, well, you know, one of the things that we see is you know in some ways it sets up right so i mean another like why why does this song make sense is that it kind of it's it's this it's kind of awesome to go over the victory parade because it, it kind of like um um you know it's it's that even when the panthers win the panthers lose right um that the, there is a kind of larger like losing um you know the the chuck bass always wins um, yeah. right right yeah, that, yeah, and the, even when the chuck bass isn't really a presence in this show well exactly well, exactly you know there is yeah, yeah. there is sort of there is kind of an internalized chuck bass you know what i mean sure sure um and that yeah because it's that um you know this is 
I mean, I, I, just, I just think of the, the even the meaning of all my friends are, are vampires, right? Um, and, and you, you could it, it kind of even brings me back to the idea of the of Smash and the closed pep economy, right? That all of these things are ultimately only really worthwhile in this very small. I mean, there's a question of like. Do these things? Can you take these things out of the Devil Town, right? And that you know, and Coach Taylor is about to leave the Devil Town for this coaching position, um, even though his family is staying there. Um, and you know that you have other people. You know, there's the question that still comes up in the the lawsuit settling of what is you know what are Jason Street's life prospects, what are um, Tim Riggins's life prospects, and, you know, and this comes up again and again. Um, throughout the 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 show, um, and and is um, yeah, and 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 so in some ways this reopens that right, so that in some ways you know they had to win um, in the in the first uh, season because you know in some ways it's it's right. This is why you one keeps watching Friday Night Lights and you stop watching Glee, right? I mean, I, I hear I hear I hear they win nationals. Is that is that correct? Oh, uh, in Glee? It, I, I don't know. I mean, I have yeah, I have a yeah. couple of them on the on the DVR feed. Yeah, that's so. I, I, I kind of heard that uh, that I they win, but like, but Glee, right? You that they tease for two seasons, um, and after like two seasons of of teasing, um, and, and and kind of like blowing it at various times in that climactic episode, um, I kind of. Um, I, I, I kind of lost it. Whereas you kind of, you know, Friday Night Lights is is, is brilliant um, in that they um, they give they give you exactly they give you what you yes, want yes but they but reveal that what you want was hollow all along exactly yeah. exactly um, and and for what it's worth uh, just then because it doesn't Which matter is, I mean yeah and I you know it's right and I, I, yeah and I think you're exactly yeah. right also about the 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 you you've bought in at this point they they've kind of pulled a fast one on you but not really because they really laid the groundwork for this very early in this very early in the season and you're just being reminded of something yeah. that you've forgotten yeah right? yeah 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 exactly but then and, and, but at the same point i mean this is i mean you have no idea till like this is just one piece right so you you are pulled in and then you're told that that, that this thing that you were pulled in of rooting for them to win state is this is this lie and then the way that this plays out, I mean, season two, uh, you know, uh, is is rocky, is really rocky. Landry and Tyra kill the rapist, um, and it the show nearly goes off the ra- rails. Oh, um, um, it's like killing the rapist. If if they hadn't pulled back in season three, killing the rapist would be the new jumping the shark. Right. Um, uh, I mean, you know, the, oh yeah, no, that's when uh, that's when heroes really killed the rapist. <laughs> um, but I think that you know, season two aside, um, the show then really plays with this way in which it played you in and with the devil town until like you know by the like last season and especially like the back half of of season five like cognac was pretty much weeping like four or five times every episode (laughs) um and it is just like uh it is it is it is it is it's brutal um even in a way and and i think that 
you know, in a way that's different from The Wire in part because of the the um, the emo-ness of it, right? That it still stays on the effing side. So that and and, and you know, in part because they replace the the young teenage the cohort of teenagers as people go off and um, you know, really fail to have a satisfying and meaningful life outside of Dylan football. <laughs> uh, they kind of are around and they move in and out, but then there are new people who are then also moving through this liminal um, phase. Um, and 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 that kind of gives it this eternal effingness and this kind of eternal, you know, both, you know, it is so emotional, but like, oh, it's oh shit, it's it's a Devil Town. I mean, the other thing to note on Devil Town, right, is that this is a song. Um, and correct, uh, correct me if I'm wrong, is that this is a song originally written um, by Daniel Johnston, um, who is a like outsider artist and kind of folk and like indie musician um who is a manic depressive and schizophrenic um and uh and is a is austin based and a texan texas based kind of independent music uh icon mm-hmm. um right and he and he is a especially like very much kind of associated with the kind of keep austin weird um spirit uh as well so this is you know and in, in the song i think is performed in this version by Tony Luca. Um, I think it's also, uh, correct me if I'm wrong, I think it's also been covered by Bright Eyes. And so it's kind of almost a a standard, um, or it's moving almost into the world of, of standard, but the, the essence is in this kind of... Um, standard among, know, among a certain interpretive community. Yeah, sure, sure. Within a certain interpretive community. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Sure. Um, and, and, um, but it's, but, I mean, and, and that's interesting, because the show, the show, in using it, the show is positioning itself as a certain kind of cultural artifact. You exactly. know what I mean? That is to say, exactly. it, that is to say, we are conversant in the language of, uh, uh, you know, of this kind of outsider art indie rock. You know yeah, what I mean? Like and you get that, and you start getting that more and more um, in in the other seasons. You, and that you, you know, um, you know, I, I think they nailed down. I don't know how whether it's a change in writing staff or or they they kind of get a little better, right? You know, and we we talked about this also. Um, you know, in the in the episode, uh, the last time we did one of these with Jordan, we talked a lot. We did a close reading of of Jason Street's "I'm Paralyzed and Want to Listen to Nirvana." Uh-huh. Um, but then we also kind of talked about math rock, um, huh. and, and also and about Crucifictorious. Right. And you know, and I think that we talked about math rock because um, Lincoln Hawk is described as. Yeah. Uh, Rufus's band in Gossip Girls descri- described as math rock, and yet they sound like um, the Gin Blossoms. Uh-huh. Um, and where and and you know, um, Crucifictorious similarly like starts off being described as well. They start off as being described as like this kind of like Christian hardcore something like that, but they kind of move in a, a direction of being a a indie rock band. And there's a there's um. Um, uh, a point in maybe season three or four where they they cover um, uh, the flaming lipses. She don't use jelly, um, and uh, which is which is awesome. And then uh-huh. you start getting this link into this kind of interpretive community, which has a much more of an overlap with the the Gossip Girl interpretive community. The, the people that get the references and the song choices and etc. Um, on the the back half of Friday Night Lights. Um, are also going to a lot of them will get 
a big chunk of the the references, the non-New York specific references in Gossip Girl. I mean, even down to um, Julie Taylor, I believe, at one in one season has a poster for the uh, LA-based um, noise rock band Liars on her wall, huh. um, and, and and that 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 almost is a little bit. It almost pushes it to Juno, pushes me to like Juno level in incredulity of like, like you know of of Juno is the things that Juno likes in Juno are much more the things that Diablo Cody likes and wants to tell the interpretive community like, hey, hey, guess it, guess what? I'm one of you. And it's, it's kind of is alienating for that reason. Um, Julie Taylor, I mean, puts, we can put some links to liars in the, uh, in the show notes and you guys can decide whether ju- what we know about Julie Taylor is consistent with liking liars. Um, but, you know, they have like a concept album about, um, uh, you know, about, about witch, witch burning in Northern Europe. Um, and, and a concept, uh, and a concept album about like a drum, a dr- it's like a Bildungsroman with a drum, a sentient drum. Um, and so, I mean, Julie Taylor is artsy. Uh, she likes dance, but uh, I, I'm not sure if she likes liars. Uh, <laughs> but do you like liars? Yeah. Let us know. <laughs> yeah, great uh, things to come in Friday Night Live. If we can just gut it out through season two. We don't know. We actually don't know what to do next episode. So, like, I mean, There's we, some great suggestions. Yeah. You know, um, every, uh, There's a really um, awesome and vibrant um, discussion. Um, in the show notes for the last show, um, and we want to definitely take um, a lot of them uh, into account. I think that uh, what I basically took from that is that what we're going to do for the summer is we're going to walk, uh, we're going to watch and discuss Fassbender's uh, Berlin Alexanderplatz, <laughs> um, uh, the fifteen-part uh, uh, tele movie that Fassbender made. But, uh, made because I think that if anything that kind of fits right right in our sweet spots, it's some good some good old Fassbender. <laughs> <laughs> We're gonna we're gonna go on a fast bender bender fast bender bender. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I went there. Could be. Um, could be. <laughs> could be that that's what we do. Um, no, I, I think that in some ways the leading one on my cognitive agenda, and uh, you know maybe we should watch since it's available on Hulu, is um, is Misfits, um, which was was recommended a few maybe last year. Um, or the year before by a few of our um, um, listeners and, and got brought up again, I believe, by Pasteur or somebody else. Um, and and I, I, given that it's available on Hulu um, and um, has been recommended several times, we may, we may give that we, – we may take a look at that and see, um, you see, know, see if, if, if it grabs us. Yeah, see if it grabs us. Um, I think others that have come up a few times are, you know, people have suggested Pretty Little Liars. Um, somebody mentioned Twin Peaks. Uh, Tim Tim Swan mentioned that he is dangerous, um, or he's, he's kind of a little worried about letting me um, near anything that is so spoilerific that, which made me almost. So I've not actually watched Twin Peaks, so it made me almost almost Wikipedia Twin Peaks and start on that. <laughs> thread just basically spoil all of the twin peaks um yeah. so um uh you know uh so i, I think we, there's a lot of good uh, a lot of good uh, options i think buffy is another possible oh uh, that's that's not a terror that's an interesting idea though buffy has like 22 episode seasons that's a lot for a summer yeah 
Um, but we could probably do like I mean we we let's we'll, so we can chart it out. Um, I guess there's a question of whether we will continue to do Friday Night Lights. You know, Friday Night Lights doesn't need to go on hiatus. No, it's it's um, it's true. It's it's mostly because the summer. I mean, the summer comes. I mean, you know, the summer comes with like the academic. I mean, you attended a graduation this week. I uh, I have a graduation. Uh, uh, my graduation coming up in a few weeks, and like so, you know, the churning, the kind of the churn of of like old faces going out and new faces coming in and and it all being a devil i mean academia is a devil town let me tell you uh, <laughs> yeah i mean i you know when i when i entered my phd program i didn't know my friends were vampires but now <laughs> i know they're vampires yeah but but do, do you know that you're a vampire too I, i'm a little different than these i'm pretty sure i'm not a vampire <laughs> all right uh actors are vampires that that is for damn sure um so okay well uh so we will we will communicate with you probably through the medium of comments on the show notes for this uh for this episode uh about right. the about the cognitive agenda for um the summer right but i mean again and and yeah so we'll we'll and we'll and we'll also communicate through all of the usual uh channels um through we'll also probably put it on the facebook page uh um uh, on the twitter uh, at tft podcast um uh, we will um if you text us at 20 fat jog one that's 203-285-6401 we'll send you a text back telling you what the <laughs> what the summer cognitive agenda is um and like you said jump in on the uh the show notes and and we'll have a little more discussion around some of these um some of these options that we have on the table um be it um buffy or misfits or uh, berlin alexander plots um <laughs> and uh and of course you know we will also um jump in uh jump in and continue the the discussion there um where we'll we'll talk about um diegetic and non-diegetic music about devil towns um about um mommy and daddy business but most of all always about these effing effing teenagers. teenagers.